Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. We're in a series called Second Nature, and before we dive in today, I just want to read a couple of uh, six different identifiers in your health, and you tell me if you would like to benefit from these identifiers. Number one, stress reduction. How many of you would say, you know what, of all the things in my life, reducing the amount of stress would be a healthy thing for me? Raise your hand. Rest of you, you're in church. Okay, second of all. Improved focus, improved focus. How many of you say, you know what, that's actually really important as well. That would be good for me, improved focus. Don't point at anyone. That's not helpful helpful either. Um, Enhanced self-awareness, where you're just kind of aware emotionally and spiritually. Uh, Better sleep at night. Okay. Hey, not better sleep during the service tonight. Okay. All right. Lower blood pressure. Uh, And then this last one, strengthened relationships. Right? It's interesting, as I studied for this week's uh, sermon on meditation, I did some research on just some of the health benefits of biblical meditation. And throughout the years, there have been studies that show that with regular biblical meditation... These are some of the health benefits you might experience. You would experience a reduction in your stress levels. You would experience improved focus, enhanced self-awareness, better sleep, lower blood pressure, and strengthened relationships. And so I want you to keep that in mind on perhaps the motivation for you to dive deeper into this biblical meditation. Because this is going to be one of those sermons or messages where, um, where, where you're going to be tempted to just let it go right over your head. You're going to be tempted to hear the message, think you've already done enough of this in your life, and think, I'll just wait till next week's message. And I know this because I've been there. And I've sat in church before, and I've heard a message, and I've heard God's truth, and in my own mind, I'll think, oh, this one's not for me, it's for them. And I just want you to encourage you at this moment, right now, say, Lord, I am willing to hear from you today, right now. We're going to be in Psalms chapter number one, so go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter number one in your Bibles, or in your outlines, or in your Bible app. If you're in the Bible app, you can go to the menu section and find our notes as well, but... Psalm chapter 1 in verse 1 says this. Actually, everyone say the very first word together. Ready? Begin. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the law, Lord, and on his law he, what? Day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and in its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now the wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. In many ways, Psalms 1 is very simple. The first verse says, don't do these things. Verse 2 says, do this. And then the rest of the chapter goes and says this. If you do these things, this will, is what is going to happen. If you don't do these things, this is your fate. And the whole psalm is predicated on the actions found in verse number 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Meditating on the law of God. We looked at two weeks ago at Scripture, and we looked at the reference to the law, and for the purposes of our discussion, and I believe accurately, when we think about meditating on the law of God, we're going to talk about meditating on Scripture. And it's not just about meditating. Look at the verse again. It's meditating to the point of delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. You go back to the first word of Psalm, and the first word is, of course, blessed. This is the promise given to this kind of person that doesn't do these things, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates day and night. So for today's message on biblical meditation, we're going to answer four questions. First of all, this morning, what is biblical meditation? Biblical meditation is a patient pondering on who God is, what he's done, And what he promises. It's a patient pondering on who God is and what he's done and what he promises. Now, here's the thing a lot of us will hear the word meditation, and our minds will automatically go to what our culture over the years has distorted about biblical meditation into their own idea. So, you'll have religions like Hinduism and Buddhism. Religions that don't acknowledge God as the Father or Jesus as Savior and Lord. And those religions will teach on meditation. And because of that association, it leads many of us as followers of Jesus Christ to close their mind from this idea of biblical meditation. But what that does is it robs us of a really important spiritual habit and a way of interacting with Scripture. We've lost an important and meaningful way of interacting with scripture when we lose this idea of biblical meditation. The Bible mentions meditation at least 23 different times. 19 of them appear in the Psalms, and of the 23, 20 20 refer to meditating on the Lord in some very specific way. We're told to meditate on his actions, the law, his testimonies, all of which are found in scripture. And so the Bible uses meditation as... uh, a deep contemplation, a patient pondering on who God is, what he's done, and what he's promised. So some things biblical meditation is not, you'll have to jot these down, they're not in your notes. Biblical meditation is not sitting with an empty mind. That's not biblical meditation. uh, Biblical meditation is not just repeating a single word or phrase to gain some altered sense of awareness. It's not burning candles or sitting calmly on a rug. Um, biblical meditation isn't even primary for, primarily for relaxation. You might feel relaxed after or during it, but it's not for relaxation. It's not about controlling your breathing. You might find times when your breaths are 
taking deep breaths are helpful, but it's not about, you know, relaxation or the deep breaths. Uh, it's never mindless. Oftentimes with Eastern meditation, they will encourage you to empty your mind. And the contrast to biblical meditation is biblical meditation focuses your mind on who God is, what he's done, and what he's promised. So there's some contrast to what we've been taught about Eastern meditation. We don't want to block out rationale completely. Uh, you're not trying to empty the mind. Uh, emptying the mind of logic and emptying the mind of reason, that's that Eastern meditation. And that's really the opposite of what we're trying to do in Scripture. We're trying to focus in and meditate on who God is, what he's done, and what he's promised. It's a patient pondering. How many of you would say, I thrive on patience? That is the gift of the Holy Spirit I do really well at. <laughs> right? For most of us, it is a really difficult thing to do to be patient. So we're going to talk about it. So what is biblical meditation? It's a patient pondering on who God is, what he's done, and what he's promised. Uh, what does biblical meditation promise? What does it promise us according to Psalm 1? Well, it promises stability in the circumstances life throws at us. We use the phrase throws at us on purpose. Because sometimes it just feels that scenario after episode after tension after relationship is just being thrown at us and we have to dodge them or catch them or avoid them and met biblical meditation allows us or promises us stability in those circumstances you think about someone who meditates in what the bible describes in psalm 1 is someone whose roots go down so far they reach underground streams the person who meditates is a strong, big, giant tree. You think about the uh, metaphor, the, the way that, um, that the psalmist is describing someone who meditates. He said he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He's painting a picture. He's exploring this idea of what it might look like. And in doing so, he, he, he draws our attention to this massive tree. It's not a scrawny shrub or bush. It's interesting because he compares it with a tree. And then he says, but the ungodly are not so. They are like the chaff. It's interesting because he doesn't compare the one who meditates as a big tree to someone who doesn't as a tiny tree. I could get my mind around that, right? A big tree compared to a tiny tree. That means the person that meditates on the law of God or meditates on scripture is simply someone who grows stronger and bigger than someone who does not. He doesn't compare it that way. He says uh, bless, uh, he shall be like a tree, and then he compares it to the chaff. Chaff is also botanical like the tree in the metaphor but chaff is simply the husk around the seed or the kernel in the grain when you're threshing the grain or when you're winnowing the grain the husk separates from the grain here's some characteristics about chaff it's not valuable it's very light which means it just blows around it can't produce anything and it has no ability to stay put on its own 
So think about the metaphor that the psalmist is using. He's saying the one that meditates is like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The wind comes and the wind goes and the tree stays put. Its roots are so deep that it reaches underground streams. It's strong. It does not move. It's not affected. And the one who doesn't is like chaff. It's light. It's good for nothing. It's not valuable. When the wind blows, it just flutters into the air. It has no ability to stay put. And the comparison is simple. The one who meditates, the one who takes the time to reflect on who God is, what he's done, what he's promised, is the person that has stability in their life. The person whose roots go down into God who meditates on him regularly. They have the same kind of problems as anyone else does, but that person's roots are so deep that they begin to draw hope. They draw joy. They draw strength, not from their circumstances, not what you've been through. Whether it's a success or failure they're going through, it's not affecting them. They simply are stable. And what he says to us is this, the person that meditates, the one who does so, grows roots that are deep. He also promises that the leaf will never wither, which means no matter the circumstances, you can handle the storm, you can handle the situation, you stay put, whether it's dry, whether it's during a drought, whether it's during rainy season, you still have leaves that won't wither because your roots go down deep. So what is biblical meditation? It's this patient pondering. It's this uh, idea of uh, being stable in the circumstances life throws at, us, throws at us. Question three, where does biblical meditation lead? Well, biblical meditation is the bridge to meaningful prayer. Now, before we get into the practicality of it, we are in Psalm chapter what? We're in Psalm chapter one. Psalms was a collection of songs and prayers designed to help the children of Israel pray. And they wouldn't necessarily refer to it as a song book, but a prayer book. And Psalm chapter 1 is thought to be the introduction to this prayer book. This is where we learn how to play, pray. These are prayers and psalms collected. And Psalms 1 is the introduction. It's not accidentally placed at the beginning of the Psalter, perhaps. It is this introduction to the prayer. And it's a, on a subject that we can expect to introduce us to the rest of the subject as we dive into the book of Psalms. If you're reading it chronologically or, or, or according to the way it's laid out, you would see that many of the songs are songs of lament or they're songs where the soul is going through deep, trying personal issues. It's a songbook of praise, uh, prayers that have been arranged in a way to help us praise God. They're songs of desperation where the psalmist doesn't know where else to turn to. And so he cries in desperation. And Psalm 1 is the introduction to these other prayers. Eugene Peterson, who studied the book of Psalms extensively during his ministry, said meditation is the key to meaningful prayer. And it's no surprise that it is the introduction to the book of Psalms. Meditation allows our prayer life to deepen and strengthen at another level. Let me give you an example. Uh, we're going to look at this verse, Psalms 103 and verse 1. 
Psalm 103 and verse 1. Let's all read this one together. Ready, begin. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Say it one more time. Ready, begin. Bless the Lord. Who is being addressed? My soul. He's addressing himself. This is an interesting phenomenon. The psalmist is writing this, this meditation, if you will. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's addressing himself. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. We won't take the time to do so today, but if you read through Psalms 103, it is a meditation on this one statement. The rest of the psalm, he unpacks this one statement as he meditates on this thought. So in meditation, you take what you learn, you work it into yourself. He says this, uh, oh, my soul, all that is within me. In other words, I'm going to connect this to my emotions. What I just learned, I'm going to connect it to my will. I'm going to connect it with everything that is in me and what it serves as this bridge to prayer. It's the bridge to prayer. What we typically do or say is, well, here's the verse of the day, or here's the chapter I'm reading, or here's my Bible study. I'm going to read through it, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go on with the next day. And what the psalmist is encouraging is, what does it look like in our life to take a truth found in Scripture, whether it's a verse, a chapter, a Sunday morning message, a Bible lesson, a small group study, whatever it is, and then to meditate on it for a period of time. And then use that as the bridge to meaningful prayer. Allow your soul to work within the passage, to embrace it for all that it is. What we can miss sometimes without meditation is we miss the opportunity to allow Scripture to burrow through the depths of our soul. And if all you do is Bible study and prayer, we're missing the parts that affect the very depth of our soul. Prayer without meditation can be like starting your car and trying to go 100 miles an hour right away and just flooring it. Some of you do that anyway. <laughs> By some of you, I mean me. I, I'm that person sometimes. And what prayer is, is like is if prayer without meditation is like getting into the car, pressing on the gas immediately. It's no good for the car. It's no good for you. The engine doesn't have a chance to warm up. You haven't acclimated yourself to the surroundings. You're just off in a hurry. And biblical meditation allows you to focus on God's word through patient pondering. It's about quieting our hearts with scripture to, to get this deeper intimacy with Jesus. Question four, how do I do it? How do we do it? How do I practice biblical meditation? I feel like you all need a snack, though. You know kids' department, they get snacks every Sunday morning? So we're going to have a snack right now. There's some people that are going to start handing out Hershey Kisses to everyone. So when you get your Hershey Kiss, do not eat it. Don't eat it right away. Go ahead. Terry, Justice, I forget who else I asked. Ethan, I feel like there's someone else. Mike has some up for up here. Is there another one? Oh, there it is, Fred. All right, pass out the Hershey Kisses. What I want you to do when you get your Hershey Kisses, I just want you to hold it. 
one per person, because we don't have that many, and I just want you to hold it. How do you practice biblical meditation? Uh, I'll be honest, outside of a five or six year period of my life, I've been in church every Sunday, probably multiple times, probably multiple times a week. And I don't know if I've ever been taught how to meditate on Scripture. The definition is fairly simple. It's patient pondering. It's just waiting and and sitting with the truth that we find in Scripture. And these Hershey Kisses, believe it or not, they're going to teach us how to meditate in just a minute. Some of you are really excited. Do we have enough? The particulars of meditation can vary, but the practice isn't that complicated. In fact, I would not be surprised if many of you have practiced biblical meditation without even knowing it. If you've ever sat with a scripture and it just kind of sits on your mind for a period of time, trying to understand it or going over it, you have meditated. Everyone get one? If you have ever been compelled by a sermon or a passage and you think over a single attribute or a testimony of God or a portion of God's character, you have meditated. If there's a worship song and all of a sudden a phrase arrests you. Today when we were singing, I've never caught this, the the poetic nature of mighty to save. He says, take my, uh, take my fears and failures, and then he says, fill my life again. And I wrote that down, and I thought, I've never thought about that phrase in that song. I have sung that song probably a thousand times in my life. But the idea of taking my fears and failures out and then asking God to fill my heart again. If you've ever done that with a worship song, and maybe it's a hymn or a worship song, and you just rested on a phrase, you've successfully meditated on Scripture. If you've ever felt tempted and you think of a message or a sermon or a scripture, and that ends up helping you, you have successfully meditated if you've thought about it. So it's this patient pondering on who God is, what he's done, and what he's promised. All right, I want you to unwrap your Hershey kiss. And don't eat it yet. I see you looking at me like that, John. Just unwrap it. Unwrap it. And you just sit there with the Hershey kiss. And here's your instructions on eating it. Everybody ready? Don't eat it yet. We're going to put it in our mouth. Darren? Good. We're going to put it in our mouth. And you're not going to take a bite. You're not going to chew it. You're just going to let it savor in your mouth. Okay? Just do that for a second. I am going to chew it because I have to preach in a minute. But for the rest of you, just let it sit on the side of your mouth, on your tongue, and just let it melt. And what you're doing right now is you're, you're savoring the piece of chocolate, right? It's still in your mouth. It's melting slowly. This is biblical meditation. When you take a powerful truth 
and you just let it sit. You don't chew right through it and then go to the next thing in your day. I haven't bitten it, by the way. I still haven't. Um, You just let it sit, and you savor it. This is biblical meditation. It's the idea that we're going to allow God's word to do a work in us, and it is a sign to our soul that we're not in a hurry. I'm not going to be in a hurry. I'm not going to be in a hurry to get to know you, God. I'm not going to be in a hurry to, to get peace. Here's our issue with peace. We want to order peace with our Dutch bros. We want to get in a drive through and we want to order our small decaf Americano with two Splendas. And then we want to say, and by the way, can you give me some peace too? Because I'm on my way to XYZ and I need it now. Biblical meditation is saying, I'm not in a rush here and I'm going to wait for peace. I'm going to wait for your love. I'm going to wait for your goodness. And I'm going to savor the relationship I have with you. How many of you still have some chocolate in your mouth? Yeah, we're just going to savor it. We're just going to let it sit in our mouth and enjoy the experience. Go to your outline. At the very end of your outline, go to next steps. Because what we're going to do right now together for the last few minutes is we're going to practice biblical meditation together. I'm going to show you exactly what it looks like and how to do it in your own hearts and minds. It says there under biblical meditation, on our under next steps, first, find a moment of quiet. Now, for some of you, that's going to be a challenge. You have a house full of kids. You have chaos. You have, uh, you have animals and dogs and responsibilities. But you're going to have to find a moment of quiet. What that looks like for you will look, look different than me. It might mean you have to get up earlier than you're used to, stay up at l- later at night, withdraw during your lunch hour at work. It's going to mean something, but you are going to have to find a moment of quiet. And so the purposes of us doing it as a group, we're all going to be quiet right now. Number two, you're going to find a verse that you'll be focusing on. And so here's the verse we're going to focus on today. I'm going to read it first, and then we're going to read it together, and then we might read it another time. I'll read it first. It says this, Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. We're going to read it out loud. And you know who the audience is when you read it out loud? Just like the psalmist, we're telling our soul what to hear. Ready? Begin. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, 
present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to say it one more time. Ready, begin. Rejoice. Next, under next steps, review each phrase answering these questions as you patiently ponder. First question is this, what am I learning about who God is? So just for a moment, look at these verses and look at each phrase and answer the question to yourself, what am I learning about God? Just take 10 seconds to think about what am I learning about God in these verses? Someone want to raise their hand and volunteer what they're learning about God? Linda? Yeah. He transcends all understanding. Guards our hearts. Um, I thought about this. He, he is the source of joy. Because we get to rejoice in him. But then he's also the source of peace. What am I learning about God? Next question, about what he's done. What am I learning about what God has done? So just look at these verses. Patiently ponder. And if you're having trouble finding something, ask God. Say, God, what, what have you done in these verses? What have you done? Next question, what is he promising Take a moment. What is he promising? Let's read all the verses again one more time. Ready, begin. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus next question is this are there any commands in this verse well it starts with a command doesn't it it's verse 6 there's another command don't be anxious in verse 6 there's another one make your requests known to God so there's at least three commands. Are there any warnings? Do you find any warnings in the scripture? Don't be anxious. There's a warning there. And the warning is this. If you're anxious, you will not experience verse 7, will you? Right? Okay, that's a really powerful thing. Think about that. That if you choose to worry, 
you choose to forfeit the peace of God. When you choose to sit with your anxiety, you're choosing to say, no, no, I'm good on peace today. I got a whole nice big cup of anxiety I'm working on. So commands, warnings, we talked about promises. Here's the next question. What am I learning about myself as I read these verses? Yeah, what am I learning about myself? How does this verse, or verses, lead me to praise God? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome that he's the source of joy and the source of peace. And the way we get to experience both is to give him our anxiety. That's worth praising God over. That I don't have to rest in my own anxiety. That I don't have to sit there. What sins do I need to confess in light of this verse? We'll go around the room one by one. No, we won't do that. But think about it. Just take a few seconds and think. Based just on these verses, is there a sin you need to confess? It might, it might look like this. When was the last time you just thanked God and rejoiced in him? When was the last time that you thought about anxiety in your life, wrapped it up in a nice bow, and gave it to God? Say, God, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to give it to you. When was the last time you chose to hang on to your anxiety rather than give it to God? What sins do you need to confess when you confess your sin, you get forgiveness, but it also restores relationship. And the longer you go without confessing sin, the longer you go with this fractured relationship. Next question. What actions do I need to take in my life based on this verse? What do you need to do? In your life, what would it look like to take an action? And then the last one. How does this first change the way I relate to my work, to my friends, my church family, my parents, my children, to my siblings? In other words, how do these verses impact my relationships? Let's say these verses one more time. Ready, begin. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what's the last thing you do under next steps? We end with a time of prayer. How many of you feel just a little bit better? A little bit more relaxed? Feel like you have something you can pray on? That took us nine minutes and 44 seconds.
Is that worth 10 minutes of your time tomorrow? Yeah. Let's end with a time of prayer. Father, thank you for this moment that we get to share together. It is our desire to be healthy and obedient followers of yours. We want your scriptures to be a lamp to my feet and a light to our path. As we read through your word, we recognize it to be authoritative and it's our prayer to be a permanent influence in our life. Free us from worldly influences as we embrace the power and truth found in your word. In this week, Lord, would you help us find time to simply meditate on who you are? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at rosebergfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.